and we'll get to this in much further detail in a little bit, but this connection between enjoyment, which briefly, and Jody Dean already defined it, but there's a distinction between pleasure and enjoyment. Enjoyment refers to the French technical term Lacan used called jouissance. And so there's a, the, the distinction is between pleasure on the one hand and enjoyment slash jouissance on the other. Anytime you hear me talk about enjoyment, I am not talking about pleasure. They are not synonymous. They are diametrically opposed. Pleasure has to do with the moments of when we release built up excitation from our bodies, we're in a state of comfort, rational, um, equilibrium, um, you know, calm, cool, collected, lack of excitation. Jouissance is a buildup in the body of excitation to the point that it's actually uncomfortable, problematic, troubling, etc. And so pleasure is the lack of excitation in the body. Jouissance is excessive excitation in the, in the body to the point of it being painful. So it's pleasure and pain is the basic way jouissance is often defined, but and, and you know this, the problem with talking about pleasure and pain is for us in the English-speaking world, it makes us think of like BDSM activities or something. And that is not it. So a, a basic example is like people get jouissance from all kinds of things in day-to-day -day life. Yes. And one of them is just driving in rush hour traffic. Now, there are people who are truly put out by it. And if they can't avoid rush hour traffic, they really do so. It's just unpleasurable for them it's not jouissance and it's not pleasure it's displeasure which is a third thing right so there's really pleasure jouissance displeasure and so some people don't want to drive in rush hour traffic at all and if they don't have to they don't but then there's other people i don't think anybody finds pleasure in it but there are people who get jouissance from it like they love screaming at people and flipping them off and banging on the steering wheel and screaming real loud, getting all worked up, right? And if you took this away from them, um, it would subtract from the 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 enjoyment of their day to day life. Like they need they need their little jolt of jouissance on the way home, and it's part of their daily ritual. And so, even though they would consciously tell you, "No, I don't like driving in rush hour traffic," bullshit. They love it, and they uh, because here's the thing, right? There, there are the people you know that could take alternate routes home. They wouldn't have to take the highway, and yet they still take the highway. Why? Because they really are getting off on this activity that they claim to not like. And so, but it, but it really the distinction and in Jouis Arts, um, there's a Lacanian named Dorian Leader who just wrote a book called Jouis Arts: Sexuality, Suffering, and Satisfaction. And he shows how incredibly complex the concept of jouissance is, but it's also, I like I read the book and at the end of it, I'm like, damn, this, this guy puts some major scholarly work into this, but I still just walked away going, yeah, but there's still this basic distinction despite all of these complicated and complicating analyses of the concept. It's pleasure is lack of excitation. Jouissance is excitation that is pleasurable, but to the point of pain or discomfort.
And so I think the concept still holds, but well, I do not give him credit. He wrote a really important book. Like it, it's a great book to go back to because it's just going to constantly clarify or challenge you in how you use the concept of jouissance. So like, I mean, he, he did us all a favor by writing the book. Right. And Deleuze and Guitars in the chat uh, quoted you saying gripped by jouissance. And he says that's his mantra these days. And I'd just like to say that, or his mantra, I'd just like to say that that's been, I feel like you probably talked about this, this concept a lot before it started to click for me and before I actually started to see things through it. And quick meta commentary uh, uh, aside about our conversations. Um, I think that's because, you know, if you come through the analytic approach to philosophy, or if you, um, are in a culture that's influenced by that, and you are, then it's, it's normal for us to think, oh, I'm a critical thinker. So what I'm supposed to do is dissect this piece by piece and see if it makes sense immediately or whatever. And it's just, it's taken me a long time to kind of, to realize that's not, it's just, it's not going to work to do that with theory stuff because the point is a theorist is developing a set of fundamental concepts that reframes everything else and that those are interrelated and that you you can't just get one at a time. They all kind of, it's like, it's like when Heidegger talks in chapter one of being in time about the, the he's like, I'm going to be talking about being in the world. It's going to take the next four chapters to do it or whatever. It's like he He's like, we're going to focus a chapter on each section of that. And then we're going to have to talk about those things all together. Being, then in, then the world. <laughs> we'll have to talk about all the different terms, all the different ways that these are used. And then all the ways that these relate. And then he's like, but the thing is, you won't be able to have it until you've done all of that. And then you basically have to do it again. Um, because well, right. so, I mean, because it, every it, every one of his distinctions it, or, or, or developments, he doesn't even like the word concept, but you know. Is, is reliant on the other ones. And so anyway, the, the jouissance thing, when you put it into place alongside pleasure and displeasure or suffering for me, I think that was like the real key. And then the other part is just, instead of just being like, huh, does that make sense? Just be like, okay, try to think about it. Go live life and keep thinking about it. And so as you live life and you start thinking about it, you start to see jouissance everywhere and you never saw it before. And you're like, wait a minute, exactly. I'm in the grip of this thing. Okay, let me give you a, an example, right? I mean, because, look, and I mean, I'm sure listeners would go, those two really go to Heidegger a lot. Well, there's no way to not, for, for you and I, if we're having a conversation, not to go to Heidegger. And so I, I, I this dawned on me this week. And so this is another way to think about jouissance, right? Here's what Heidegger, as a phenomenologist, didn't see him being in time. This great distinction he has between ready to hand and unready to hand. Why don't you explain that for listeners? Well, just for the, I mean, so, you know, he's talking about the different modes uh, uh, that something can have meaning for us and that the, the pen as an object can obviously be a pen of analysis that you sit here and you pick it apart and try to understand how it works. And then that would be kind of in the register of like science, right? And he calls that the present in hand. Readiness to hand is... Prior to that, in in our experience, because um, he doesn't talk about growing up as a you know go, going from infancy to being an adult, but obviously, 
in your daily dealings with things, um, you learn how to use them before you understand them in like that analytic way. And so the the that sense of a thing as a as a useful thing is is the ready to hand. It's it's handy as 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 uh, who's the pragmatist Dewey who talks about that. So you know he would say it's handy. But yeah, if something is 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 useful. It's handy. Okay, so and, and the the key point right is that when you're using something effectively, it withdraws. You don't, you stop to even, you don't even notice it. If you're using a hammer and everything is functioning smoothly, the hammer in a weird phenomenological sense just is an extension of your arm. It's like part of you. You don't see a difference. You're just engaged in the act of hammering. And yet there's the other mode, which is unready to hand. So what what happens when we kick from ready to hand to unready to hand? Oh, there's a breakdown in whatever you're trying to do, right? And so I use the example in my book of uh, riding a bicycle to work. Uh, the bicycle breaks down. Um, that wheel goes flat. Yeah, the chain falls off. Instantly, you're thrown out of everything you were immersed in, and you've got a problem posed on you. It's been, you know, a breakdown has been forced. Deleuze and Guitar says, gripped by jouissance reminds me of thrownness, except for situations I unconsciously don't realize I need to be thrown in. I'm probably misusing the term, but I'm listening and learning Lacanian. So, finish your thought, and then I'll, I'll we'll talk about that. That's that's interesting. Oh, I mean, it, yeah. So, uh, when you're thrown, when something becomes unrated to hand, like, for instance, the hammer is missing. Like, You've got a, a you've got a project. It's going to take a minute to get what you need done, and now you can't get it done. And so everything is like lit up, like like you're you're looking around, seeing okay, well, where is it, or what can I use instead of it, right? Uh huh. Is that so? Here here's what well, here's the dots I want to connect for you. Here's what Heidegger didn't see as a phenomenal phenomenologist because it requires psychoanalytic theory to even be able to perceive it. Okay. Readiness to hand is connected to pleasure. Un unreadiness to hand is jouissance. And Heidegger wouldn't see, he would say, oh, human beings just want to keep things going. They want things to be ready to hand. What he wouldn't understand is, no, there are forms of unreadiness to hand that are our actual forms of jouissance that we are going to perpetuate. We are going to repeat forms of unreadiness to hand precisely because we enjoy them. And that's where... Uh, the psychoanalytic framework can make phenomena jump out to you that you wouldn't see otherwise. Okay. I see what you're saying. And I mean, I'm instantly connecting that to a bunch of, you know, I'm thinking through my life. One example is a lot of dads. I'm not just talking about my dad. I, this is a common thing. A lot of dads are like, my tool went missing, but it's always like the kids did it. And I've seen firsthand when it's not the kids doing it, like they are putting things where they don't go. And it's like, you're not so orderly yourself. Uh -huh. Yeah. All right. Remember death drive, which is death drive is our actual forms of enjoyment. The ways in which we give ourselves too much trouble or the ways that we self-sabotage that we actually get off on. Right. And that's where you start to see, well, basically what he's saying is we get off on certain forms of unreadiness to hand making things an obstacle things going missing things being not functioned smoothly so 
getting in our own way is a way you talk about it as well. Getting in our own way, right? right. So that's the dot. Like, and I'm probably going to write something on this because I'd love to flesh out this connection between Heidegger and Lacan and Zizek. But that's that's as somebody as studied in Heidegger as you are, it's it helps to think. Oh wait, like Heidegger would think unreadiness the hand is just like oh something was wrong we want to patch it up and get it up and running as smoothly as we can not necessarily and right. to be able to see how we enjoy unreadiness the hand is really important i think and then i the so, last thing i would throw into that is just that uh because like you said so traffic you know traffic hour can be something for one person's getting their jouissance from it the other person's just miserable from it and so I've I've started saying that one one person's jouissance is the next person's misery, and that doesn't mean that your jouissance is necessarily at the other's expense because that there is obviously also that kind of jouissance where you're getting off on, like actually giving other people a hard time, and obviously that gets in your own way because you're not going to be very successful in life if you get off on such things. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it, it happens a lot where you, you might have a friend who's always stressing about something, but it seems to you like a pretty easy thing to, you know, to get past, like they, they pretty much just, but, but, but then once you kind of get this concept, you go, Oh, okay. Everyone I know gets stressed out about certain things all the time. And these are things that they could just, you know, they could, there's ways around it, but being a, being a person's well, friend at the end of the day means being like, all right, well, I love you. And the fact is, is you just love, rush hour <laughs> you like traffic but honestly part of part of i mean love it takes on a very special technical concept uh or meaning for lacan and zizek but you could say that at least friendship is the embrace of the other's jouissance and as i mean there's obviously forms of jouissance you're not going to embrace in other people but it's all but typically it is embracing the other in their obscene underside which is to say you don't have to just be your sanitized squeaky clean social self you can show me some of your dirty secrets and i'll embrace them and i'll you know i'm okay with it right and so and then you exchange yours for them uh theirs and you 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 know they see your jouissance you see their jouissance oftentimes you see theirs better than they see it and they see yours better than you see it that's how it works because it's largely unconscious um so yeah what, what i'll add to this is people can go well, well who gives a shit if we enjoy unreadiness to hand or breakdown or obstacles well here's the whole point right let's let's take a very specific example activism yeah you know, building leftist spaces there are people who truly approach those from the position of pleasure which is to say we need to make very practical strong connections and be able to affect things at, on a local level and even more so on a national level and then you want global level right <clears throat> the problem is there are people who enjoy the dysfunctionality or and the enjoy bringing dysfunctionality into those spaces and that's the death drive element certain people bring to activism and why it's so hard to really successfully organize and it's and why because honestly for us to truly get to live different lives which means open up different libidinal possibilities for us it would require new politics and so 
that's why there's so much libidinal fighting and and dysfunctionality in political spaces and so um especially leftist spaces because leftists are the ones who actually want to change shit opposed to keep things the same so um that's where you know enjoying dysfunctionality enjoying unreadiness the hand is a major problem got it so So, okay well that's kind of the the warm-up let's let's get into it so um anything you want to say before we dive in so basically you're you're, the the real subject i mean because the thumbnail says uh why zizek is a genius or whatever but uh what we're what we're going to be getting into here is zizek's theory of ideology and and there's ways that people talk about it and i've heard it a thousand times before and i don't know how long we have to actually spend on it but it's like let's let's get into the the let, let's get into the theory side of this let's get into not let's let's get past the as one says or what one says about zizek and get just get into it so i mean okay what are the key concepts what what's the what's innovative here what's he doing different and um, how is how does this transformed how you see things let's let's dive in In an attempt to bring in new people to the world of philosophy and theory while building on relationships already established, we are doing a countrywide tour of the United States this fall. What's up, guys? It's Anna Dave. Are we coming to a city or town near you? Do you think there is a venue or audience in your local region that would be interested in a lecture or facilitated discussion about existentialism, critiques of therapism, PMC ideology, self-help, introduction to philosophy, or the time energy critique of any of those things. This speaking and discussion facilitation tour will include the Pacific Northwest in mid-August, the Kansas City, Missouri area late August or early September, Philadelphia at the beginning of October, and really we're going to be all over the area there, hopefully, so get in contact with us if you think that we should come visit your state. Phoenix, Arizona, mid-October, and SoCal, especially San Diego, late October. I say especially San Diego because we already have our guide for the San Diego region. What's the difference between a host, a guide, and a volunteer, you ask? Well, thanks for asking, actually. The volunteer role is for people who want to put up posters or in other ways promote the events that will be occurring in their town or city. Whereas the host might have a guest bedroom, guest house, or a place that we can park our van so that we can sleep in our van. We need to know if you would have like bathroom facilities or anything like that. And so the form on the website is where you can tell us what you have to offer. Guiding on the other hand though, people who love to guide take a lot of pride in their local knowledge. A good example of that would be Michael Downs when I visited him in Raytown, Missouri. And he took me into Kansas City and we had barbecue and he took me to the mall and to all these other landmark places from his life growing up there. Um, But a more recent example would be my friend Michael in Poland who took us around Katowice, Poland and basically gives a historical and sociological analysis of everything. And it was amazing. It It was one of the coolest 
things we've ever experienced. And it made us realize some people just want to provide the space and privacy, whereas other people want to take you out and show you around. And so if you're interested in being a volunteer, host, or guide, we have a special form for that. So please fill out your information and uh, get in contact with us as soon as possible so we can fit you into the schedule because we'll love to meet you, touch base with the local community. And if you don't think anyone else in your area is interested in the things that you're interested in, if you don't think anyone else is into this stuff, well, we might be able to surprise you. When I saw that poster, Boldrillard in Boise fucking Idaho, are you kidding me? It was virtually an, an answer to an unspoken prayer, you know, really was. And I just couldn't believe that somebody was interested in the things that I was interested in, that I had been interested in for years and had kind of given up on in, in futility. I'd labored in solitude for so long, I had no one to talk to about it, no one to bounce ideas off. This tour is going to bring together a lot of people who want to be based in text with the people they're in conversation with. And yeah, I think it's going to be a fantastic year. The only other thing that I want to say is that Michael Downs' first book is going to be published by Theory Underground really soon here. I've got another book coming out really soon here. These books will be spread throughout the United States on this tour. So I'm hoping to be able to do some actual book launch events at various bookstores. Outside of that, I guess the last thing that I would say is that Michael Downs is gearing up to teach For They Know Not What They Do by Slavoj Žižek. We're putting out all these introduction videos and other interviews related to the topic of Hegel, Lacan, Žižek because we want to give people an accessible and sturdy basis in the discourse. The problem is, is that Michael Downs is very busy having to work at a wage slave job. And so if you want to help in freeing Mikey, make sure to go to his Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the dangerous baby and make a donation. Thank you. I would be remiss to close this out without a quick shout out to our patrons and our anonymous donors. Thank you so much for the donations already. We've only been around for a month. We already got over $3,000 in donations. Um, and so thank you. And uh, stay tuned for the app, which is on its way. There will be a Theory Underground app. So the current setup is that it is a social media site built around courses where you can suppose that people who are involved in the discussions have a shared interest in the same or similar texts and where you can assume in a lot of the discussions that, yeah, people have read the stuff that you're reading, uh, that you're bringing into dialogue. And so, uh, for instance, the idea of the University by Carl Jaspers, dedicated forum. Slavoj Zizek's For They Don't Know What They Do, dedicated forum. And then as people take the course over the years, new people will be coming into that forum. And so if you get in there early, you'll be able to see how the conversation evolves. And as new people add into the conversation, it'll bring back memories and like things that you want to work through, questions that you had with the first time that you read the text. And so I'm really excited for this. The reason I've built this website is because I think that this is what's lacking in so many other spaces, is that ability to return, to be able to communicate after the fact and in a sustained way 
on a platform that's not attention grabby and annoying like Discord. And so stay tuned because there is an app on the way. Thank you to our donors. If you want to donate, go to theory-underground.com forward slash support. Thank you.